Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bass III, and today I'm sitting down with Mr. Scott Morse. How you doing, man? Doing fantastic and amazing, RJ. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, so uh, we were we were chatting before we started recording here. I said you got one of the, the more badass backgrounds there uh, with all your team, your, your cold calling enterprise back there. So tell, <laughs> tell everybody where you are and, and what's going on behind you there. Yeah, so for everybody that's watching on on the computer screen, we have a 12,000 square foot call center here, man. We got about 200 bodies here solely and exclusively focused for the REI space. And uh, I built my like 17 year old first job dream office at 42. We got arcades and ping pong tables and foosball tables. We got a punching bag back there. The barber chairs, we're getting two barber chairs and a little Lamasu place to get your dome cut in the back. That'll be Probably about three weeks from now, that'll be completely installed. And then I think I'm done. Um, but yeah, I'm in Columbia, South America with 200 super talented phone assassins. Love it, man. So I got to ask, how did you end up in Columbia? Because you're the second podcast guest that's been in Columbia. Chad Bartlett, he does wholesaling out of Columbia. But how yep. did you end up there? And what made you go say, hey, let's start a cold call center? So it's truly my origin story about how I got into this industry. Um, I was in a completely different vertical three and a half years ago. That ultimately got regulated out. There was just so much regulatory headwinds that it was like, okay, made a big bag. Let's stop looking for something else. And a buddy of mine told me about this vertical. His name's Alex Cazada out of Orlando, Florida. I had always like lended money and deals for him. And so I knew of it, but I just said, and he explained this concept and he was just like, dude, if you'll take this business model and put it into your ecosystem, which was currently in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He said, I think you'll like murder this man because you're, you have a good energy for it, but I just couldn't get the cost per lead right on shore. Yep. And so I started same thing. Everybody else does. I called a guy over here. I called a guy over there. I tried every continent in the world. And I finally called a small team in Colombia and he was great. He couldn't handle my scale. And so finally I turned to my business partner, which was Alex at that time. I said, bro, I said, dude, I'll just go down there for four months. I'm just going down there for four months. I'll get it set up. I'm coming home, baby. Let's not sell any houses yet. And um, my desire to generate the quality of leads that I needed versus what the industry was delivering is what made me ultimately find Columbia. And now I just bought a monster home here. I ain't never leaving this place. I love it. So what is it about Columbia that makes you love it so much outside of the fact that it helped you run a a badass business, get that cost per lead down. But I, I'm curious because listen, I'm I'm born American, right? Grew up here in yeah. Texas my whole life. The thought of like, hey man, I, I'm gonna go to South America, Colombia. I mean, that's that's gotta be scary, right? Um, you know, it was definitely a lot of cultural learnings. I think I could do a whole book on how to be a CEO. And I had a large office, had 180 some people in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, prior to my office here. So I've always done things at a somewhat of an enterprise level, but coming in here and adjusting to the culture was definitely something that took some getting used to. But the reasons why I love Columbia is the reasons why you love your childhood. Because the 80s, the 90s of America is what this place reminds me of today. And damn it, if I couldn't get back those golden days, and maybe I'm just an old guy talking, but dude, everything here is family oriented. The food is fresher. The cost of living is nicer. People are humbler. Family still comes over instead of everything's just text. And people say, hello, hey, how you doing before they start their text? And all. it's just, uh, it just reminds me a little bit of youth. And I have two beautiful daughters and I wanted to give them a taste of a real culture, not a manufactured cookie cutter 
culture that unfortunately I think is primarily available in the States. Man, that's a really cool answer. That's a, that's a much better answer than I thought you were going to give me. So that's, that's really <laughs> the girls. Cool. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, awesome. So let's talk about the cold, call, cold calling side of things here because yeah. I, I want to get into this. It is very common for real estate investors and wholesalers to be told, hey, go hire a couple of VAs to become cold callers and then they generate leads and then you close them or you have acquisitions managers that close these. But what you're doing here is essentially saying, hey, you don't have to go out and hire and train your own VAs. I'm going to do that for you. So talk to like, what is your perfect avatar for a customer and and why should they hire your company instead of managing their own VAs? Because I think that's a that's a huge difference there. So it's, a, it's literally the uh, one of the best questions you could ask in regards to understanding my business model. I think that they actually should hire VAs. I think they should manage them. I think they should go through that process because A, it helps you hold a guy like me accountable. But the more important side of that is, is it helps you appreciate exactly the value that I bring to the table. It's like being in a really bad relationship. If you've been in a bad relationship before, when you get a good girlfriend or a good wife, you're, you just really understand the differences between what you had versus what you have. And so I don't think that really anybody who considers themselves a sales professional or a salesperson in the RA space, particularly in wholesaling, shouldn't go through that brain damage. You need to go through it, buddy. You need to know what a dialer is. You need to understand what KPIs is. You need to understand how long 10,000 records should last, how many deals you should get. You need to understand the different motivating cohorts. And then at a certain avatar, like my avatar now, I'd say my minimum client does five to 10 deals a month. And then I have guys that are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in total marketing spend a month. And it's like my avatar, I am the Rolls, my mind, I am the Rolls Royce of this industry. Nobody new hires me. I want to be the, the uh, poster, the Michael Jordan poster or the Braun poster on every wholesaler's wall. Like one day I'm a higher Lama Sue. One day I'm a higher Lama Sue. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm giving an enterprise operation already has clear sales teams, CRMs. They understand marketing channels. I'm giving them a way to focus their time back and then deal with quality and not quantity. Because at a certain stage, you have to get the junk out of your ecosystem. You got to stop sending in dog shit leads into your CRM because you take a closer and you demotivate them. Yep. So my guys that understand that, that's when they turn to a guy like me. And are you strictly handling cold calling or is it also pulling the data and, and everything that comes along with that? Because I think that's an important aspect of this as well is where's the data coming from? What list are we calling? Because like, take me, for example, you, you talked about it before. You're like, dude, I love you. You know, you, you're, you're quick with your short script, but that's a lot of times because I'm talking to tired landlords, right? I yes. can't do that on a probate lead, right? So Who's handling the data aspect of it? Is that something you guys handle or is it on the client? So ultimately, that's the client's decision. About 80% of the clients purchased through me. I showed you over the side room. We have a company called Synergy Data here. <laughs> I want them to buy through me for one reason is because every time they've hired a cold call or a VA, the one thing that they always blame for their performance was the data. Oh, we yeah. didn't get you any leads this week because it's the data's fault. And so what I tell people is I want all the smoke. I'm going to pick the data, target the data, skip the data, perform, cold call the data. Because if this doesn't work, there's only one person to blame that that's me. And if this does, then there's only one person to give credit to, and that's me. So for me, I have a continuity and deliverables when I handle the data targeting. And my X factor is, is we do over 2 million dials a week out of here right now. 
And so I'm over, able to overlay on any data set what cohorts, as we call them, are performing the best in any particular region. And so I just know as soon as you give me zip codes or uh, uh, counties, multi typically multiple counties, I just know which one of those are performing best on what list. And then we tag it and send it. Every lead you get, you can see what cohort. You can see the data provider, skip provider, and cohort on every single lead that we send you. All right. So this is, this is live. This is real life. I got to know. I heard some horn in the background and I see people <laughs> clapping. What just happened? So every time throughout this call, every time we sling a lead that we consider in range, which is 70% and less of ARB. So really 69% and less, these guys get a commission. Everybody starts clapping and alert goes up on the screen. They start counting the tally over there. But uh, we are highly driven on getting every lead that we generate out here. Not a single lead do we not get a seller starting asking price out of. Then we restate pain restate value, ask for a reduction. We try to get it under 70%. They get a commission for every lead under 70% from 71 to 89%. It takes five of those to equal one of the in-range commissions and 90% and above. It's considered full retail. They don't get paid shit for that. We still send it to it because it came out of that affiliates data, but we have all these lead scoring and targeting systems to drive behavior. So when they're applauding, it's because they did something good. I love that. So let's, let's talk about that because this is how I handle cold calling. And it sounds like you're pretty similar. My VAs that cold call for me, it's a, if they say yes, they want to sell, that is a lead and it's coming to us. And then at that point in time, we will handle where, how, it, if it's rather, you know, full retail or if it's something that we can offer, or if it's sub two or seller finance or whatever. But essentially it's, do you want to sell? What's your timeline? What's your price? What's the condition? And outside of yeah. that, then it's pushed to the closer or close. Is that similar to what you guys are doing? No, we're the kryptonite to that process. We're okay. 180 degrees in the opposite direction. And it all started because when I first got into your guys' vertical, people were like, okay, you're going to need a, a VAs and you're going to need a leads manager. And it's like, what the fuck I need a leads manager for? Why aren't my guys over here qualifying these so well that it immediately can be live transferred to my closer? So every one of my guys, and I showed you the university over here, our average intake call is about 14 to 17 minutes long for the entire call. Our form is robust. And so our form is a filtration system. Our guys know how to build rapport. Our guys know how to discuss about pain points. They all know about the interest rates. They know they can have, a, they know what a soffit, an awning, a faucet, a gutter, a shutter, a stud. And so what we've done for operations like yourselves is we've just made it so none of those really too many get past the goalie that, hey, they have a verified name and phone number and they raise their hand. So maybe right. you talk to them, but then they want 120% of the estimate. So for us, we just filter them down. And we like to think that our fronters, because it's a fronter closer model. I'm the fronter, you're the closer. But yes. I, think, I think our fronters are better than most of this industry's closers. I love it. And, and you know what? It, that... That could very well be the case yeah. uh, because the reality of it is, is that the training process for closers is really not that it's not done very well across this industry. No. And with you having this background and, and obviously we, we've seen it, we've already gotten two and mm -hmm. we're 11 minutes in. Right. Yep. Um, and, and that's for below 70%, which is mm -hmm. hey for a closer. If I'm walking into that and I know we're already at, 60% of ARV, I'm probably getting the damn thing signed. Yeah. So that so to me, what I'm seeing is is you guys have in 11 minutes probably already gotten two contracts. 
In theory, right? Um, the whole thing I tell people is that the quality of leads, what it does is it gives you a consistency of deliverables because there's going to be a closing ratio. What, I, what I've learned in this industry now is the more exit strategies, the better the closing ratio. Right. Somebody who's a traditional wholesaler on my leads, all they do is wholesale, they're one out of 20. You do wholesale, you do Novate, you're now in the mid-teens. You do wholesale, Novate, and you take down properties because you have your own capital funds, now you're in the low teens. But realistically, even with my leads, as fire as they are, nobody sub one out of 10 because it's just not the reality. We still got to get these bastards on the phone. But I run game all day with PPC conversions. Love it. So one out of 20, if you're just wholesaling, that's like a rough KPI metric. Yep. How many dials, how much data is it taking to get to generate those 20 leads? Yeah. So it takes a lot. Um, I think one of the misnomers is the difference between dials and answers. Right. And so we've spent a lot of money on our dialer platform and outbound A and outbound A&I registration. Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Uh, outbound A&I registration. And so typically it takes about 100 and depending on the agent, 120 to 180 connects to be able to get a converted lead. And a connect could be an answer machine. It could be a wrong number. It could be Barbara Smith who doesn't want to sell, but 120 to 180. And then it could be shit, uh, 1500 attempts to get to to, to that lead. So right. it typically is divisible by 10, but I expect my guys to have 140 ish conversations before they convert a lead. That's 139 no's or wrong numbers or answering machines. That's a lot of brain damage. So I'm going to go back. It, it's, this is a great interview for me to have um, in comparison to a, an episode of pardon the disruption that we just had. Uh, if you guys don't know what part of the disruption is, it's a show that I do with Steve Train, Chris Jefferson, Eric Brewer, Leon G. Barnes, Matthew Potter. We just talked about this. And, and one of the questions was, is what is a mistake that newer wholesalers regularly make? And we all agreed it's that new wholesalers automatically want to go to the quote unquote cheapest version of marketing right out the gates. And the cheapest in their mind is cold calling. Yes. But think about what you just said. 139 no's to get to a yes. And then we've got to get 20 of those yeses to get a contract. That is an astronomical amount of dials that you have yep. to make if you are doing this yourself. Now, outsourcing this to someone like you, where you can then just sit back and have those 20 conversations with the people that have already been pre-qualified, this is where the speed, the velocity in which a company like mine, in comparison to a solopreneur who's trying to cold call themselves, just gets left in the dust. And they say, hey, RJ, how can you do 60 deals a month? I, I'm struggling to get two. Well, it's because you're you're getting your teeth kicked in. Because like you said, you're you're – fronters are probably better closers than they are because yeah. they've been trained so well. So that's, that's a, that's a crazy number to, to keep in mind. What talk to me about this? Cause I think this is important. What kind of training are you doing? That's a massive team that you have behind you. What kind of training are you doing for those guys to make sure that they are qualified to be doing this for people all across the country? 
Yeah. So the number one qualifier is English fluency. And so that's my number one qualifier. And the reality is, is if you have a good attitude and good English fluency, you'll murder this campaign because I give you the tools that are needed. The problem is, is most investors don't have the time because they're trying to generate their own contracts and learning how to do a dialer and all this other stuff. Right. So self-managed where they're managing their own VA, it definitely has its pluses and minuses. But the minuses are, is you're not going to be working on revenue producing activities. You're going to be working on training and all these other things that have a long tail for payoff. Um, but once they come in, they go through a multi-stage interview process. Once they interview, they spend two weeks in a classroom. They're, I literally have a new class that just started in this week. It's probably 20 some students. I bought desks, chairs. I mean, like everything, it literally looks like a university in there. We have the digital dry erase boards. They spend two weeks just learning real estate 101 and some of the core fundamentals. These kids don't know what a yard sign is. I have right. to take them from, because they don't have yards here. Maybe everything's in buildings. And so that verbiage doesn't exist. And so anyways, I take them and teach them everything to be able to have a high level real estate conversation. Then we have to do CRM and dialer platform. So more technology is week three. Then they spend two weeks in incubation where they only work my campaign because I have a campaign in Central Florida as well, too. So I let them get all the marbles out on me. Once they get out of that, then they go into incubation phase two. That's another week or so. And if they can hit their KPIs, then they go out to the main production. But they've gone through and they've learned everything. Most people just don't have enough time to invest six weeks into a right. human being to be able to get them to that quality out there. I can guarantee you um, that less than 1% of real estate investors are taking half of that time yeah. to train anyone. Um, I mean, you're, you're pretty close to my 250th interview. I've never heard somebody say, Hey, I'm putting them through six weeks of training before they even do something for a client or, or even really talking to real sellers outside of for your, your own campaign, which is more of just for training. There's number three, yeah. maybe. I, <laughs> I can't wait to see how many we get through this interview here. Um, that's awesome. So Six weeks of training, and then at that point in time, I, I guess this has always been a, a big component for me because we're nationwide, right? There's a difference in talking to a seller in the Northeast than there is talking in the extreme South. Yeah. Are your callers like trained for regional customers? So I, I think one of the things that's really unique is the way our floor is designed is it's not like one agent is assigned to one particular place, which you would think, oh, well, it may be better that way. No, it's very unified throughout the floor. And so that adds just a an advantage where nobody prejudges the leads. No right. one knows, oh shit, I'm calling New York. Those guys are animals. Right. Or oh, I'm calling Washington State. Those guys are racist. What I call it is the Alabama challenge. I care about when we call into Alabama, can you understand the customer? Can the customer understand you? And that's like one of our internal joke benchmarks here. But no, they all know about location anchoring. And so because we have all the tools on their screen, like you would be super impressed. I know because you're in this space for so long and all the tools that they have to be able to inside of their dialer and outside of their dialer to be able to build commonality. Every time we on somebody onboard somebody in a new market, we do a little training up here. Just everybody knows why is Indiana, why St. Louis so popular. But for the most part, based on the script, location anchoring tools that we provide them and the fact that we don't allow them to subscribe, that markets are harder than others because we don't allow them to prejudge or neg. I think we kind of mitigate that effect. I love it. And and for those people listening in Alabama, if you didn't get that joke, the joke was about you. Okay. So <laughs> just understand 
that <laughs> your accent, we're talking about you. And that comes from a guy who has a very similar accent. Than yes. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. So if I'm coming to you and I'm like, Scott, I want to hire you. You know, I want to get, do you, do you do it by, by dialer like or by caller? Like I would say I want five callers. Is that how I would do it? No. Um, so I try to average, my, my ceiling is like 45 clients a month. And so that's just where I keep. So I consider myself more of a boutique agency. Um, I like it that way. I want to be exclusive. And this is already kind of some brain damage managing 220-year-olds. So like, oh, God, do I really want 420-year-olds? Right. Um, I don't think so. But my goal, ultimate goal is to actually have less clients as the existing ones continue to expand. Right. And so it's like, hey, how do I get you guys? Because literally when I say I have clients that spend over a half million dollars a month, one particular client in L.A., and it's like, man, these are real dollars that they're spending amongst marketing channels. Let's get mine up from 30 to 60 and so on. So anyways, with that being said, we sell dials. So even my smallest package is 2,500 dials a day. So 2,500 dials a day is like my entry level, which is depending on the outside world, the equivalent to three to maybe five reps, three to four reps. But it's all unified on my floor. So it's not actually one particular person who like if they're sick, or whatever that all of a sudden your account screwed up. No, it's all equalized amongst my platform. So 2,500 dials, that's your minimum. So say I come uh-huh. to you and say, I want 5,000 dials a day. Okay. Yep. Now from there, obviously as a business owner, my next questions to you are going to be, Hey, what can I anticipate in results? Right. Yeah. But here I am, I'm nationwide. So I'm going to say, Hey, I want, I want dials in Indiana. But I also want dials in Washington State. Obviously, those so, are two different great example. markets. Yeah, so so great example. So I actually wouldn't allow you to divide up five thousand dials between that those two markets. You said Indiana and Washington State. Is that what yeah? You said? Just using because they're polar okay. opposite, right? So this is what's exactly. So a five thousand dials package will produce in Washington State what a twenty five hundred will in Indiana. Exactly. And so it's literally that compressed. And so if you had a 5,000, I don't let anybody do anything on the West Coast less than a 5,000 dials package. And so what I do is I just try to guide people saying like, hey, listen, I know how many dials it's going to take to produce. You can't do a beginner in a tier one market. You're not going into LA, San Diego, really Orlando, some of these major markets, right. you're just not going to go in there with a 2,500 package. So for that person, I would have to say you either have to do a five and a 2,500 or just stick to Indy if that's what you want to say. I love it, man. Listen, you just made me feel so smart because I've been saying this for like five years now. People always want to ask me because we're nationwide, what market should I go in? And I've pretty much said, because I'm in Texas, I'm like, hey, if it's west of Texas, pretty much assume you're going to get your teeth kicked in. Absolutely. But if you get a deal, you're going to make great money. That's that's got to be cool. Hey, the, the more pain, the more the bigger the spreads. Washington State is great. I don't know if you saw that post from Investor Lift, but they were showing like the oh, yeah. biggest spreads or something. And that was it was showing Seattle or one of the Washington State or Washington counties. But I always tell people you have to have a bankroll to be able to do that, because not only is your cost per deal sometimes going to be five, seven. I know guys that are paying ten thousand dollars a deal out there. But your conversion cycle is longer. Some of these more educated markets, you're going to generate a lead. You might get under contract day 18. Then you do a 14-day inspection period. And then you don't get money until day 70. Well, if you don't have four months worth of marketing capital, you're going to have commission breath by week three. The yep. Customers are going to feel like, oh, this guy needs this deal. 
because you can't afford to play in the big boy markets. You better stay over there in Arkansas or one of the East Coast markets yep. until you get your revenue right. Then go attack the big boys. Exactly. That's why I've always told people when the way we handle our marketing efforts is, hey, we're always going to be somewhere in the Sun Belt states and in the Midwest. And then we're sprinkling in those difficult markets where we're essentially yes. hoping that we siphon something out of that campaign. Because otherwise, yep. if we're relying on Seattle, we're gonna we're gonna go out of business. I mean, that's just because of who we are. And I know there's yeah. people out there, like you said, you got someone spending half a million dollars a month in in LA or something like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. of course, they're, they're a different breed than what I am right now. Yeah. You know, Dude, I got a team of uh, guys that live in Israel. Every time we talk to them, they're drinking beers late at night. But they have capital. They're calling into the West Coast. But it's so cool for me in my head. It's like, dude, I'm a gringo or a white guy in Colombia, South America. I'm over here slinging leads to a bunch of Israeli guys. They're taking that phone call, locking down deals in L.A. It's so sexy. I love it it. that part of this industry. I really, really it excites me, man. You can literally do this anywhere in the country. Funny you bring that up, man. When I won the Closers Olympics in 2021, I found out that there was a watch party in the Philippines of about 50 people that watched it and Israel. Funny enough, you bring up Israel. I ended up being on a podcast by Haim and and one of his partners. And there was about 45, 50 people that watched in Israel, watched the Closers Olympics because they essentially what you're talking about, right? They're getting leads from you. They got to figure out how to close them. So they were watching the Closers Olympics. That's awesome. Dude, doesn't Uh, that make you feel great? Like people worldwide, like watching it, it's cool. I love it. So let's talk about, we've seen it four times, 25 minutes. Uh We've got claps. What happens now? That lead goes into the client CRM? Yeah, more or less. The reality is, is that one of the hardest parts about my job is getting people on the phone. So let's not fumble the bag. So if it's an in-range lead, which all these claps that you've heard are, we've still, in the between time, sent above range and maybe a couple of full retails. Right. We also do a creative and creative um, creative terms one. But anyways, but only the in-range, which you hear us clap on, as long as the seller is available to speak to somebody now, we'll live transfer that bad boy. Because I don't want to risk them not liking your caller ID when you call back or whatever. So the bulk of those should be sent as, um, the bulk of those should be sent as live transfers. We slack the affiliate and say, hey, is any closer available? We have a little gift that says Reco, just right. from the um, the Boiler Room movie. Anyways, and they, they respond, I'm available. We put the seller on hold. We're like, RJ, I got Barbara Smith on hold. You uh, see her in the CRM? Yeah, I got it right here. Okay, man, she wants to move closer to be with her grandkids. You ready? Fuck yeah, I'm ready. Boom. And then we connect you. Love it. Love it. So that, I call that, Leo, eliminating a barrier to entry. Just like you said, you, you've already worked your ass off to get that person on the phone. Plus, it's a good one. Live transfer, it comes over. So you talked about your team is earning commissions on yes. these really good deals. It does that transfer to the client, or is that just part of your pay structure? You're no, just part of mine. No, no, it's part of mine. My wheel spins everything I do. We have a really cool cash wheel. This is one of them. I'm step off camera real quick, but like we have we have two wheels. This one's got like um uh oh no, they got to do uh push-ups. They get an X amount of dollars for every push-up they do. Raffle tickets, paragliding, wall squat. But the dude did nine minute wall squat the other day. He broke the bank. Um, and so I ain't never seen nobody do a damn nine minute wall squat, but all these incentives that we do from a culture standpoint, all that's on me. But what's, I think the best compliment that I get is I have affiliates 
who when they lock up a deal, they will spend a US dollar cash one and then they venmo me the money and I give 100% of them. I have a guy in Massachusetts and a guy in St. Louis that every time they get a deal, they send a little bonus on here. They don't have to, I never ask them ever, but I make sure the kids get it and they love it. I love it. So listen, 2 million cold calls a week, okay? So yeah. you've learned a lot about cold calling and, and you said you want the clients that at minimum are doing five to 10 deals uh, a month. So yep. talk to the people that aren't quite there yet. What can you recommend to them on the cold calling side of things? If this is like, they clearly saw the title, 2 million cold calls weekly. So they're listening to this to learn about cold calling. What can they do to get from maybe one to two deals a month to the five to 10? So then they can outsource that to someone like you. <sighs> So it's, a, it's such a long question. I'll, I'll try to give a more truncated version. I think that um, one of the biggest assets they have is their dialer and their dialer's customer service team. And so I'll walk you through this. I built my original operation off of ready mode, which used to be called Zen call or something. Yeah. Um, and so, but that wasn't the fact that that was the platform. The fact was, is that I spent day after day after day, they knew my name, they saw my phone number, and I called in and I just got the tweaks and did this and tested this. And I really built out something to help me manage my data. Because like you said in the beginning, your calls ain't going to be anything without your data. Right. And so you don't know your data unless your dispositions are really, really good in your dialer. So do you have a not interested? Do you have a once retail? Do you have a working with a wholesaler? Do you have listed on the MLS instead of just no, yes. Like you want to break down every outcome of a call conversation so that way you can analyze that data, go back to your data source, analyze that disposition, excuse me, go back to your data source and make intelligent buying decisions on data. What I watch this industry do is they hire some VA and they're like, well, we need 10,000 records a month. Well, that's cute. But what about month three? Are they now telling you which 10,000 you should buy more of? Because you're trying to tell me that you're sitting on six months of data and you're not making intelligent buying decisions by now. So I would just say, once you pick your dialer and you pick your team, people don't do what you expect. They do what you inspect. So definitely be in these agents' asses. Excuse my language on your podcast. But definitely be on them. And then um, second to that, you need, somebody's trying, talking to me on the side. Anyways, but second to that is just really build out the dispositions. Right. Well, I will say this. Uh, first and foremost, don't worry about the language they've heard far worse on the Titanium <laughs> Vault, okay? Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I love that. Uh, you talked about your agents are averaging 13 to 17 minutes per call, right? Full convert per converted call, yes. Right. So that's that's pretty lengthy in comparison to what people have seen me do on lives. But here's the thing. I want people to understand. I have never cold called on a live video. I have only ever called back something that had either previously been cold called by one of my agents yep. or was an inbound lead. So, and I think one of the things that's like a misnomer about cold call leads is they need to be nurtured a lot more to understand that we're a legitimate company, right? Yeah. We, we kind of popped up out of the blue. So during this 13 to 17 minutes, you talked about that your agents are building rapport. One of the things I've never really heard someone talk about with cold callers, like building rapport, understanding like the construction aspect, understanding what a yard sign is. During these these calls, do you feel like that is a, a factor and that generates better KPIs for your team in comparison to just a VA that you can hire off of Fiverr or Indeed that you personally try to train yourself? I think that no matter what, 
if you can have your fronters in your operation, whether it's an outside VA, but be as good as your closers and be your closers, be the elite of the elite of the closers, right? Like the ones that stand out amongst the ones that stand out, then you have your operation. That was just my whole thoughts. It's like, how do we raise everything? Like, how do I make my qualifiers as good as the closers in this industry? And how do I make my closers to be like God tier closers? Right. And so if you did have closer like qualifiers, you would get them to ask more information because the last thing that you want to do is get that lead over to your other guy and have him not talk to a closable lead. It's the bane of this entire CR, uh, entire industry is a lot of what I call heartbeat in a home leads. I don't want to send anybody in my, that's my affiliate, a heartbeat. They have a heartbeat, they have a home, send it over. So yes, for sure for us, it helps us qualify the leads better, helps us have a consistency in deliverables and also a consistency in conversions because they all go through the same process. I love that um, heartbeat in a home lead. That, <laughs> that's hilarious. I've never heard that one before. That's, that's a good one. So you talked about you want to be this specialized boutique, right? Yeah. And, and you want to essentially build your clients, um, their businesses, which in yep. turn builds yours, which I think is really cool. Um, so what does that mean for you moving forward in the future? Like what, what do you want to be in five years from now? Like you just want to have 10 clients that are just crushing the game? You know, my, my data company really intrigues me a lot um, because I see what we're getting for them. And I see that as being mega scalable from everybody from entry level to And so we've invested a lot, a lot of money into the UX. Currently, it's only available for the most part for my existing clients. I haven't really rolled it out to the public. So that intrigues me. Um, but also, I'm not um, naive I'm agnostic to REI. I really don't care about REI. I just care about what mousetrap performs the best. This is a insert campaign here. So literally I'm talking to a guy about a different campaign this afternoon. I have another guy. Like I, I, I really do have six camp. Uh, I have maybe seven agents over there to the side that do ERC employee retention. Like right. I, I'm an entrepreneur. And so if, if you told me, Hey man, let's talk off call. Hey, I got this other thing that we're doing. Dude, I could really use 200 agents and the numbers made sense off. REI gone, next campaign up. And so right. it's hard for me to necessarily project in the future. I can just tell you that whatever's the most beneficial for these kids here in this office and the overall health of this company, because we're making a big impact down here, big impact. As long as these guys are making more, I'm the highest paid call center in the state. So as long as these guys are making good good money and the mousetrap is performing, that's what we'll do. Are you always going to be in Columbia? You know, always is a long word, but um, I just bought a really dope home that I plan on. A couple, <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to enjoy it for a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get a couple of years out of it. And I have a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old daughter that go to school here. They're bilingual now. And so it's like, it's, it's a good vibe, man. And the people here are super appreciative. If I think a lot of people, I've had to fire some affiliates real quick out of the gates because they'll hire us. This is particularly true when I was hiring a lower avatar. But they would treat the people on my phone like they were VAs. Well, you, they were just that type of person. They just thought that they were beneath them. And so we don't play those games. These guys are rock stars. And so I treat them with respect. My affiliates treat them with respect. And I think we got something special brewing. Well, I have to say, this, is, this has been one of the, the more intriguing interviews that I've ever done. Just from the aspect of I can truly see the operation behind you. I see the movement and the energy and uh, the bells and the, the clapping and just the culture that you've created there. Thank you. I mean, you are right, man. You you are an entrepreneur by spirit. Um, and I love that you just openly admit that. 
Yeah. Because so often we we don't want to admit that. We want to be like, no, I'm a real estate investor because that's what I'm doing right now. It's like, no. So I have a couple of self-storage facilities that I've partnered on. I've done a lot of really great things. And this is this is going to lose me followers, but this is the truth. I still couldn't really explain what a cap rate is, but I own so much in real estate right now. It's just because it's not, you know, listen, you guys do all that. I'm going to handle this. I'm a rock and roll over here. The one thing that I'm good at doing is generating highly qualified leads and putting them into a sales ecosystem that should predict a very reliable outcome. And then that's it. Like I'm not, I'm not the guy to get on there and talk about how to value add a property. I've never done a rehab myself. I've signed off on invoices, but between myself and my partners in the States on our, our funds, it's like, I know what I'm good at. Just put me in, in my space. I'll deliver over here. You guys deliver over here. And that's how I feel my relationship with my affiliates. I'm going to handle the front end of your business. You handle the back end of your business. Let's keep it scaling. Hey, listen, majority of the time when I interview people, I ask them about their story. I didn't really ask about your story. I wanted to dive in as much information about cold calling and what you got going on yeah. in there. Because listen, you're right. You stick in your lane. You know what you're good yeah. at. That's what I want to hear from you. One last question. Sure. Lamasu, Lamaso, how do you say it? So it's Lamasu. What is that? Yeah. Where did that come um, from? Came from the heart, number one. Um, okay. So I had a really big successful company in South Florida. And like I said, we faced some regulatory headwinds and it shut down. But every company I've ever had as an entrepreneur, we always had an animal mascot. I believe in them. I just, I believe in them. I want the team rallied around them. So my first one ever was an eagle. The last one was a lion. And this is my grand finale, bro. Like, I don't need to. I don't want to do anything after this, after wherever this journey leads. And so I started researching the first time ever in recorded human history that a, a lion and an eagle were combined. And it predates like the Griffins or whatever they're called. But it's in modern day Iraq, which was then Assyria. The Assyrians had a deity called Alamasu, which was this guy. Gotcha. And uh, it's just I, I just wanted to bring it back and be like, hey, well, I, every guy here knows why it's a Lamasu because we're not hyenas. We don't laugh. We don't scavenge. We go out there and we kill our own. We're lions. We're not ducks. We don't wait for breadcrumbs. We don't fly low. We're eagles. We fly high. So everybody knows why it's a lion and an eagle because it's the two alphas of the animal kingdom, if you will. And, uh, and that's how we came up with it. I love it, man. Listen, I, you're, you're talking to a guy that I, I literally wear the word titanium Yes, all, every single day. Dean Rogers asked me the other day, he's like, hey, dude, do you have another shirt besides a, a black <laughs> shirt that says titanium? I'm like, yeah, I, I do. I don't really wear them. Um, and, and it means something to us, too. Um, yes. You know, it, it came from the fact that my number was 22 in sports growing up. My partner Cassie is born on February twenty second, two twenty two, and and the twenty second element is titanium, and so it's like we're titanium. That's yes. who we are as as a core. This numbers mean something. Twenty two has always been a part of our lives, and it just felt like holy shit. Like it wasn't like one of those weird ones, you know, like uranium or something. It's like titanium. That, <laughs> that sounds. Yeah. Cool, you know, and then it's like when you think about it, titanium is what we put in people when they need like a brace in their back mm. or something like that. It's the strongest thing, you know, and and it's like it became a part of who we are. And now it's like I literally get people like that. That's a pound of titanium right there that Eric Brewer gave me. All of our nice. students get a little cube of titanium um, because it's pure. It's it's 
it's who we are to our core. So I love it, man. That's why I wanted to ask you because I was like, no, this means something. And I saw the logo. I was like, no, this this means something right there. So that's that's Thank awesome. Thank you, brother. And again, I love hearing it's that story. About that culture, right? Yes. Like you said, your whole team knows about it and they care about it. And uh, and I can see it, man. I, I love it. This has been one of my favorite interviews I've ever done, Scott. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Well, let me it. give you a quick shout out, um, dude. I've been watching you from afar. Like I said, I knew about you before you ever knew about me. I think what you proved to me is a very assassin ninja esque type of phone sales style. And I watch you annihilate people on closer Olympics. And I don't know if they're going to invite you back for a third year, because once the ringer gets in there, like ratings start to drop, I don't know if they're going to have to move you to the the judges side or something, but I just, I have a lot of um, respect for you and I appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. You're one of the guys I put at the top of this industry. So I look forward to us having a fruitful friendship and relationship and anything I can do to help or help the students or anything, you know, I'm here for you. Love it, man. Uh, where can people learn more about your company and, and you personally? I think the primary place is at Lamasu Leads, L-A-M-A-S-S-U Leads on Instagram. That's really where we house everything. That's the corporate stuff. I have at Scott Morse is my personal one, but everybody's more interested in uh, the, the business. But at Lamasu Leads or LamasuLeads.com. Um, and then just follow because I try to give away a lot of free game. I talk to a lot of people that are struggling in their business and I kind of share that anonymously. Like, Hey, I talked to a kid today and he didn't really qualify our services. Here's what he's doing in his business. And this is how I would coach him because I'm able to see inside of so many people's businesses. It's really mind boggling. I think you have that perspective as well too. Um, but I can see what people are doing right and wrong per se, or the lessons I watch them learn live. And uh, I just know what it takes now to generate our own deals. I'm not only a supplier of leads, but I'm also my own buyer for my own little campaigns. So I'm not selling human arbitrage. I'm selling real qualified leads. And so I think it's great for people to be able to watch that journey on Instagram at Lamasu Leads. Love it, man. I appreciate you taking the time to hop on here. I know you're a super busy guy. Uh, For those that listen today, remember, we only accept five-star reviews. If you didn't like today's interview, remember, you just go over to Steve Train's podcast, uh, which Scott was also on. You leave him a three-star review and say, RJ sent you, and then go back, Titanium Vault. We only accept five-star reviews. Scott, man, appreciate you taking the time. Very welcome.